Coming up next, it's me, Mike Gallagher, right after Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Chicago Press Corps, and uh, Mike Scott just got word over over the transom that uh, longtime CBS reporter Mike Parker has passed away. Yeah, That's he sad. was a, a fixture at WBBM Channel 2 for more than 35 years. He was, I thought, you know, he always had that deep voice, a distinctive voice, but yeah. was a solid journalist, and I, I really enjoyed his work. But yeah, yeah, he retired him. in May of 2016 and died yesterday at the age of 75. Don't retire. Don't retire. Can't retire. Gotta, you know, gotta keep at it. Too you know? <laughs> no, I just, well, that's not a comment on Mike Parker. No, it's just okay. a comment. Generally, All I right. like Mike Parker. Sad to see him. So condolences to Mike Parker's family. All right. Uh, part of the uh, election formulation is uh, national security related. Uh, obviously, a uh, a lot of discussion over the last two years about America's enemies and uh, how to make the world a safer place with respect to North Korea, with respect to Russia, with respect to uh, unrest in Central America and South America. And uh, so does this factor into people's consideration in terms of which party they want in charge of Congress after tomorrow night's election, well, there's a couple of big issues on the table, uh, uh, Iran and the caravan. Let's talk about them both with Cliff May. He is the president of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. Cliff, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good to be with you, Dad and Amy. Uh, Why don't we start with Iran. Uh, Mike Pompeo saying yesterday uh, and um, uh, that the sanctions uh, are going to be the sanctions being reimposed are the toughest sanctions ever put in place on Iran and uh, that this administration is following a policy of maximum pressure on the mullahs in Iran. Uh, how did you react to the uh, this reimposition of sanctions and, and what does that mean for uh, our relationship with Iran and particularly at a precarious time with Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia sort of the other pole in the Middle East? Sure. Um, I, w- I must say I'm very encouraged by the fact that, that, that this administration does intend to put serious pressure on Iran. We have been putting pressure on Iran for a while. The question is whether we're really going to put the pedal uh, to the metal or not. And the sanctions that come into it, uh, that are being reimposed as of today uh, do that. In particular, there's something called the, the, the SWIFT messaging system. SWIFT means Society for Worldwide interbank financial telecommunications. It's the electronic system by which deals get done and payments get made around the world. And when we, we, we de-swifted, we took Iran off SWIFT years ago, back before, in 2013, it really isolates Iran from the world economy to do that. The Iranians really didn't want that. The Europeans didn't want us to do that. Um, I think it was not. There was a lot of debate inside the administration whether such a tough measure would 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 be implemented, and we are. And you know, this administration has only a couple of years to try to do something serious about Iran. Uh, the new sanctions, getting Iran off SWIFT, that puts serious pressure on Iran's economy, and on the mullahs who rule that country. 
Um, I think it's very important. It's a, it's a serious move. Yeah, and the Iranians are none too happy. I mean, this morning they were burning the American flag, uh, you know, holding up pictures of Trump. But uh, yeah, the they've e- been doing that for 40 years, of course. Right. right. No, I know. Mind, but they are they are they are angry today because this is really going to this is going to put some real pressure on them. Uh, pressure on them either to renegotiate an agreement that actually keeps them from getting nuclear weapons and the missiles to deliver them, uh, and nego- uh, an agreement that stops them from continuing their march across the Middle East, trying to be the, the hegemon, the conqueror, the, the new imperialist power, and stops them from sponsoring terrorism. They're the world's leading sponsor of terrorism. They've just uh, been foiled in a plot to kill an opposition figure in Denmark. The Danes are very angry and are pushing now uh, among the Europeans for more pressure. And another plot to blow up a conference in Paris of opposition leaders also was foiled. Um, now maybe they begin to think we better change our behavior if we want to get out from under this, this economic pressure. Those protests in Tehran were indistinguishable from a PHAT march on the mall. I mean, really, so I mean, what's the difference? I didn't realize that. Uh, so, so just uh, sticking with uh, uh, the, that region, um, so what's the status of MBS and our relationship with Saudi Arabia? How do you see that playing out? Well, the re- relations are strained, obviously, because of the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, who was a, a, a Saudi, an opposition figure, living in Washington, writing for the Washington Post. Um, I, we don't know a lot about the internal politics and what it put up, what it, of Saudi Arabia. What appears is that the king, King Salman, uh, he is a he wants his son uh, Mohammed bin Salman, to, who is the crown prince, to succeed him. Um, what's happened with Khashoggi uh, hasn't changed that. What the Saudis are saying right now, whether you believe them or not, is that uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, did not order this uh, this assassination, although it was carried out by Saudis, 18 Saudis have been arrested, and they're also saying, um, well, you know, we understand this is a bit of a crisis in the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. We've had such crises in the past. We will get over it. Um, We have important interests in common, um, not least in regard to Iran, which the Saudis see as an existential threat. And and, and in order to have these sanctions that we have, we do need the Saudis to pump more oil make sure that the oil markets aren't spooked, that the price of gasoline does not skyrocket. So it's a, t- it's a difficult time. And we, listen, we, we have allies in the world, and we also have what I would call strategic partners. We don't see eye to eye with them. We don't approve of their practices. But that doesn't mean we can get rid of them entirely. So over the weekend, we learned from Homeland Security that this caravan that's coming now, 12,000 strong, you know, the numbers, uh, there's a lot of vacillation going on there, but the latest report is 12,000. And that people inside this caravan are from 20 different countries. Do you think President Trump is making the right decision by sending troops to the border to stop this so-called invasion? I, I wish he didn't have to do that, but I'm not sure. But I think he, something has to be done. I don't understand the point of view that says anybody from any country who wants to come here gets to come here. We take them in. Um, we give them a court date. We release them. Uh, they are entitled to uh, all the rights of U.S. citizens, all the entitlements of the American welfare state. If it's 7,000, if it's 12,000, if it's if it's a million, that's okay. At a certain point, do we not have to have secure borders and have an immigration system that American citizens decide upon, where we say, here's how many we can take, here's how many we can assimilate, here's here's whose we we prefer. I, I just don't, I, 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 a country that has no borders is is not a country. 
Um, and I don't think we're having a very productive debate about this. I don't think we have had for a very long time. But I, I do understand why the president says I'm just not going to let thousands and thousands of people march across and say, here's what you owe me. I, I have to, I'm on that side of the, of the fence there. Uh, when it comes to uh, the, the possibility of a change in leadership of the House, uh, meaning Democrat takeover, how much would that impact what this administration is doing in the border security foreign policy areas? Well, look, at a certain point, and this point should have come a long time ago, Congress should be making laws, it seems to me, about immigration, and Congress hasn't done so, and that's partly because Republicans and Democrats can't agree on what those laws should be. I don't think it makes it any easier um, to get those laws passed, but perhaps maybe Congress will try to stop the president from doing what he wants to do to secure the borders. One can say that's already been the case. You'll recall that he said, look, I'll... I will uh, essentially give amnesty uh, to the to to the DACA people, those who who came in with their parents, but they but but they were too young to, to have known that they were coming across the border. But I want to be able to secure the border. I want a wall. I don't see another way to do it. And and and, and the Democrats didn't take him up on that offer. So I think this fight goes on for a long time, whether or not Congress, whether or not the House changes hands. But it but at a cert, some point. Do we not have to make a decision about what our immigration policy is? Are we, are we really leaving this to others? I don't. I, I don't think it should be just the president who who decides this. Um, but Congress has not done its job, and I say that from a bipartisan perspective. Congress on both sides of the aisle has not done what is necessary um, to to reform immigration in in a, in a way that that is sane. He is Cliff May, president of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Cliff, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer.